Welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast, a show that is dedicated to educating you on applying science-based training, nutrition, and mindset strategies from some of the top minds in the industry to help you build a leaner, stronger, and more confident self. I'm your host, Jeff Hain. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Mind Muscle Connection podcast. Uh, today is a solo episode. I got a topic I want to go over, and then I got a question uh, that I also want to dive into. So let's dive into the topic. Um, so the topic it's a Instagram post I made, and you know when we hear fat loss, we hear you need to be in a calorie deficit, and again on paper that's that's what you need to do. And so it, it's as simple as that. Uh, you know, so, and this can be helpful because I feel like it can get you to, you know, if you have questions about like what diet works best, um, you know, things like that, you know, you know, you don't have to get it. You don't have to go keto. You don't have to do this special thing. You know, that look, what you need to do, you just need to get to a calorie deficit. So I think that in that regard, it's super helpful. Uh, it can really help you kind of swift through the, the bullshit essentially. And but where it goes wrong is, you know, I think we oversimplify getting into a calorie deficit. Again, we know that's what you need to do, but for people, for some people, it's, it's a lot harder to get into a calorie deficit and just simply telling them, Hey, you need to get into a calorie deficit. That's, you know, that that's what you need. Right. I, I don't think that is super helpful for a couple of reasons. It, I think it sends a message that, you know, if somebody struggles with it, then it's like something's wrong with them. Right. And it's not necessarily that something's wrong with them. They're just, their body just is, it just, it, it just doesn't handle a calorie deficit as well as some other people. And so I think this gets people to think that they need to either that one, there's, there is something wrong with them, you know, and then two, they, I feel like it gets people to kind of get into these unsustainable strategies, like these fad diets because of that. Um, but really that's, that's not what, again, that's not helpful. So again, finding ways, like, again, I just think that we need to first, I think it's important we go over and this is what I'm going to do in this episode is just go over ways that, that can affect energy balance and, and what can make it tougher to do. Right. And then we'll kind of talk about, uh, just some things to uh, expect and some kind of some ways to, to work through this. Right. And just uh, some things I see from clients. So, uh, you know, I've got, I've, I've fallen into this trap before too, right. Again, saying all, all you need is a calorie deficit for fat loss. Um, for some people it actually, you know, it is fairly easy, uh, to just get into a calorie deficit. Uh, I was reading an article from mass and they talk about, you know, some people have a, a, a thrifty, phenotype. And then I think the other one is, a. am actually going to have to look this up real quick. I should have went with my gut on it. So it's a, a thrifty phenotype and a, a spendthrift. Okay. And so uh, a thrifty phenotype is somebody that when they lose weight, their body really adapts to that. Okay. They're, uh, they, their energy expender just goes down whenever they uh, cut back on calories, when they get into a calorie deficit. And then you have spendthrift. And these are the people that a spendthrift phenotype would be somebody that when they, when they add, when they try to, when they get into a surplus, their body really adapts to that. And for them, it's really hard to gain weight. Um, and so you can see where, you know, somebody with a thrifty phenotype, they, they, they have a much tougher time losing weight because they're, uh, again, their, their body really adapts to, um, calorie deficits. Okay. And so these are probably the people that, that struggle with weight loss and they're the ones that are really seeking that help the most, but, but, you know, so 
So for them, just telling them, Hey, you need to get into a calorie deficit is not, is not super helpful. Okay. So, uh, you know, kind of with that out of the way, one cool thing that they did find in the study uh, that they talked about was that, uh, people that have a thrifty phenotype at, usually when they're at maintenance they are actually energy expenditures fine. It's just when they get into that deficit that they really start to see a decrease in, um, uh, energy expenditure. Uh, therefore, you know, for these people they are really going to have to dial some things in, in terms of how to get into a, a calorie deficit. Uh, we'll kind of briefly hit on that in a little bit, but it's really the, the same type of stuff that we always go over. But uh, again, I, I think the main reason I want to go over this is because I just want people to know that like, Again, we know calorie deficit is needed, but that's not going to solve everything for somebody like getting into a calorie deficit is, is a challenge. And that's where we need to, I think, really work on uh, educating people on how to do that. Right. So a few things here. So, again, we know that in order to lose body fat, you need to be in a uh, energy deficit. OK, so what that means is you need to expend more energy than you burn throughout the day. Now, there's going to be a lot of things, you know, people think that energy uh, out is only the energy that they burn through like exercise. Okay. But there's more that goes into it. Okay. We've talked about this before. You have your BMR, your basal metabolic rate, and this really makes up about 60% of your energy out for the day. Okay. And this is just for basic bodily function. So literally everybody burns calories just to live, right? Like it's needed. So this is kind of where people get confused about this, where they think, again, it's only the energy that you burn through workout, but your basal metabolic rate, right. And these are for basic bodily functions. Um, and then we have uh, thermic effect of food, right? This is the calories you burn through absorption and digestion of food. Okay. So just eating calories burns calories. Um, and then, you, then from there you have your meat, which is just your activity, your, uh, basically like your uh, activity that you do throughout the day that you don't really think about, right. When you're just doing stuff around the house, fidgeting, talking, blinking, stuff like that. And then you have your exercise activity, which is actual formal activity. Right. And so all those things make up the energy outside of the, uh, uh, um, equation of, of, of the energy balance. Okay. And so somebody that moves more, obviously is going to burn a little bit more calories. Now, some people, and we'll talk about this, some people, uh, when they move more, their body downregulates energy out somewhere along the way, right? So it's this really complicated process that when one thing changes, another thing changes. So it's not just as easy as eat less, okay? Uh, so let's let's talk about a few things that affects energy outside of the equation. The first is how your body controls appetite, okay? So that's obviously not going to affect how many calories you burn, but um, you know, some people they just they're the, their brain for whatever reason, you know, it's just harder for them to get full. Okay. So, uh, some people can get full super easy. Some people can't, and that's obviously going to have an effect on how many calories you eat. If you're somebody that has trouble feeling full, like you're probably going to eat more calories than someone who, who doesn't. Right. And so one thing that we really work on with clients here for this is, Hey, let's, let's make sure that we're maintaining a high level of physical activity that has been shown to decrease appetite. Okay. So that's, that's one thing that you can do, not decrease appetite. It helps you regulate your appetite better. So that's one thing that you can do there to combat that. Okay. So if you're somebody that you just really have trouble not like filling up on foods, like that's one thing you can do. Slowing down when eating is another thing you can do uh, to, to kind of help you eat less food. If, if, if you're somebody that really has trouble feeling full, you know, look at that. Like, you're probably somebody that eats super quick. You're eating distracted. So therefore you're going to eat more calories. Um, also on that, you know, your food choices, and this is another thing that obviously affects that, but you know, if you're, if you're eating mostly calorie dense foods, highly palatable food, it's going to be tough for you to feel full because those foods don't 
really fill you up and your brain craves that type of food. So you're going to want to eat more of that. Um, and then again, like I just talked about your food choices. So, so like these hack your satiety response to food. So uh, again, obviously the thing that you could do there is, you know, eat foods that are more filling. Um, uh, you know, this doesn't mean that's all you have to eat, but if your diet consists of 50, 50 calorie dense foods, nutrient dense foods, change that up a little bit, go a little bit closer to, you know, try to eat more nutrient dense foods, get, get more protein in your diet. Protein can really help with satiety. So, you know, those are things that we can do there. Right. And then you also have, uh, some people that see more satiety effects from exercise than others. Uh, so what that means is, you know, for some people, when they exercise more, they, their body's like, okay, let's eat less. Some people, when they exercise more, their body's like, Hey, we need to eat more. Um, and this is all kind of figuring this out for yourself. Right. And this is where, you know, having a coach or somebody there to help you can, can be super helpful, but this is again, just telling somebody, Hey, get in a calorie deficit, you know, okay, I need to move more, but then maybe for them moving more, they don't get as full from, from, uh, more exercise. So you have that. And then you also have some people compensate more energy than others from exercise. Uh, I've talked about this before a couple of times. There was that, um, study that showed that, you know, people that they ate more or they, they exercise more and they, they compensate it, their energy later in the day. They, you know, uh, they, they move less their body down, regulated meat, whatever it may be. So some people are going to compensate more energy from exercise than others. Okay. Uh, and then people, some people also lose more lean body mass easier than others. So if you lose more lean body mass than others, uh, you know, you're losing weight. So your BMR is going to go down because you have a smaller body. Uh, you know, we also know that muscle does have a, for every movement you do, muscle is, is probably going to burn more calories than, than just fat mass, right? So you, you have that. So if you lose some lean body mass and then, you know, the, the process to maintain it and to build it is, is also cost is, is also uh, uses a lot of energy. So if that goes down, you know, that's going to affect how much somebody can eat and, and be in, in a calorie deficit. So you have all these things. And then not to mention, there are also other things like your environment. Okay. If your environment sucks, like that's going to make getting into a calorie deficit, super tough. Um, what I mean by environment is it may be you live with somebody that doesn't care about health and fitness and you just kind of have these tasty foods all around. You know, if you see all this food all around all the time, it's, it's going to be much tougher to say no to it. Or maybe you have, maybe with your environment, you at work, there's always tasty foods around. That's going to be tough for you to say no to it. At some point, you're just going to give in. Um, and then you have uh, maybe at home, you have food sitting out, right? Like that's going to be tough also. So you have the environment. And then not to mention everywhere you go, you know, you, you, you're surrounded by food marketing. Um, you know, uh, you watch TV. I mean, literally like I think half the commercials are freaking food commercials. Like you're, you're just bombarded with this stuff all the time. So it's going to be tough to say no. Um, and then social life, you know, you have a social life, like it's not realistic to, to tell somebody when they go out with their friends, Hey, no drinks, no, none of this. Like that's something else we have to fit it, like think about as well. And then just other psychological things that, that all play a role here um, with this, you know, how, how your relationship with food, like, this is just where it gets super confusing and like, and just telling somebody, Hey, you need to get into a calorie deficit can be super tough. Now I don't want this to steer people away from fat loss if they need it, but I'm just making this. So you realize that this isn't an easy process. Okay. It's not an easy thing to just get into a calorie deficit. And so if you struggle with fat loss in the past, it's, it's okay. Um, you know, even though a lot of people in the fitness and nutrition crowd say otherwise, right. They, 
it's easy to be like, well, you just don't want it enough and, and whatnot. Right. But I think it just comes down to like unrealistic expectations again, and hearing that messaging, like, Hey, I need to, it should be easy. All I need to do is get in a calorie deficit. And I think it puts a lot of pressure on it. Okay. Um, so really the main thing here is, is it's okay if you struggle with it in the past. It's, it, it is, it's not an easy thing for some people. It is easy. And those are probably the people that you see, you know, um, that those are the people that are probably marketed more than the people that, that struggle. Right. I mean, no one's going to show a, Hey, this, it took this person two years to make all these changes. Like people don't want to see that stuff, but it does happen. Um, we'll dive back into this, but I, I have a, a good client, um, kind of case study here that I, that I want to talk about. So, but again, I think expecting some, and again, this goes back to the unrealistic expectation thing. I think expecting some life-changing transformation, your, your first time around, like doing a fat loss diet is just unrealistic, right? With anything, there's going to be some trial in there. Now, again, you'll see these people that they do see this right away. And again, that's what's marketed. So that's what you're going to see. That's what you're going to be bombarded with all the time. So then if you're not doing it, you know, Hey, what's, what's wrong with me? Why is this not happening to me? But again, we're not aware of how all these things respond because what's the messaging? Hey, you just need to get into a calorie deficit. So just a few more things here and then some things to combat this kind of, right. I think the first thing is, and this isn't to try to get you to, to be a client of mine, but in this I think it's so important to have to work with a professional on this. Okay. Um, especially if you struggled with fat loss in the past, I think it's super important to work with somebody you trust. Um, and, and just having somebody look over this with you right uh, now, what sucks is you do need to be careful with who you choose. Um, but obviously I think anyone that I've had on this podcast would be a good, um, person to, to that, that would help you with this, right? You don't just want somebody and, and, and be careful when you're choosing these people, be careful that they're not just trying to sell you on supplements or, um, again, if somebody's going to preach quick or you just need to get in a calorie deficit, I think you need to be careful with those type of people. So, but working with somebody is super important, right? Because they're going to, you know, they're going to be able to tell you these things that you're just like, Oh crap. I didn't even realize that, you know, um, they're going to be able to pick up on this type of stuff. And another thing that can help you here is, you know, so with online clients, we obviously we're aiming for results. Like that's what we want. We want to make sure the client sees results, but I also find it, I would be lying to you if I told you hundred percent of my clients see results, right? Like it just doesn't happen. Unfortunately it sucks, but it, it doesn't happen now. So I, I find it helpful to re- reframe a, either a fat loss plateau, or as I put a, a failure, quote unquote failure, uh, just cause it's, again, it's not a failure. Take those at reframe it from a, a plateau or a failure as, you know, what can you take away from this to help you moving forward? If you can, if you can take at least one to two things away, you're going to be in a much better position moving forward for a fat loss phase. So, you know, if I have a client that I've had a couple clients in the last couple months that we've tried a fat loss phase and for whatever reason, it just either wasn't a good time, whatever it may be, it just didn't work out for them. You know, I, I think the biggest thing is that you what, what can you learn from it? What now they, now they have the tools to, to look back and be like, okay, this is what I need to do differently the next time around. Right. Whereas if it's like, oh, well, I didn't get it this time. So screw it. I'm done. I'm never doing this shit again. Or you just, you can't take away anything from that. And that's not going to help you with, uh, in the future. Um, again, it's that mindset of, I have to have this life-changing transformation the first time again, it doesn't happen like that. This, you have to go through trial and error, unfortunately, um, with this, uh, so I think finding ways to, 
and this is again, we're working with professional helps because they're able to, you know, reframe this for you. Whereas when you work by, when you're by yourself, it's either, you know, success or complete failure. Right. And that's a bad way to look at it. Um, so I think that's important, you know, uh, and so this is, and uh, my clients can tell you this, but that's why I'm a huge, huge stickler for just getting data. Even if you feel like you quote unquote failed or quote unquote fell off, because it can be super helpful if, if you're not, I see this a lot of times, um, you know, for example, this last weekend, um, every Sunday I send in a check-in form for my clients and I didn't get as many this last week. And I think that partly was because people just felt like they didn't succeed last week. And so when they do that, they, they stop tracking, they stop taking weight, they stop taking data. And I just say, look, you can't do that. We need to make sure that we're still getting this feedback, even when you feel like you failed, because I'm sure there's some things that you can learn from last week that you can take moving forward. Uh, so yeah, there's that. And so I kind of talked about how I had this, I had this client, um, I won't say names, um, but she's been working with me for a, a long period of time now. I would say, I think three, four years now. And when we first started, she was doing keto um, and, and I'm never going to tell somebody to not do anything. If they are set on doing something, I'm, you know, let's do it. She, she got down to a good weight. I think she was like probably somewhere between 220, 230. Uh, and then, um, and this was back when like, this was three, four years ago, you know, obviously I've evolved as a coach, my, my coaching, uh, online coaching service has evolved, you know, it's way better now. I have ways to keep clients accountable, things like that. Right. But at the time, you know, I did what I could to, to help her and, and she did that for a little bit and, and saw good success. And then all of a sudden, you know, doesn't, didn't weigh in for a while doing check-ins all of a sudden you're just seeing this wake slowly, just spike up, go up, go up. Um, and then she was stuck there for a while. And then there would be periods of time where it would go down and then it would come back up. And then, but over this time though, we, she was learning things. She was learning things throughout. And now, you know, she was at 260 and now she's down to 220 and, she, and she's maintaining that now, right? That's a big thing. She's maintaining it. And, and part of it is obviously she's built muscle along the way. That's obviously helping her body composition is different. She's getting a ton of compliments now. And, but these are the things you don't hear about, right? You hear about that quick transformation. This one took time. And so it's going to take time. And she was even working with somebody too, and it, and it still took time. Now, again, if I had better systems set up in the beginning, would it have been a quicker process? Maybe, I don't know. But either way, she's learned things and now she is, is in a good spot, right? And so I, I bring that up because it, this stuff takes time, okay? That's that's really what I'm, what I'm trying to get at here with it. And so... Uh, and so expecting that magical transformation right away is just unrealistic. Um, but the people who see the best results are the people who don't give up and keep finding ways to improve. So again, realize that uh, this ended up kind of being a side tangent on this, but look, just because we say calorie deficit, it's, it's not easy for some people to get into that calorie deficit. There's probably a lot of things that they have to go through to actually finally be able to get back, get into that calorie deficit. So just be patient with it. Um, obviously if things aren't working, that's obviously a sign that you need to fix something and work on something. But again, don't use your failure as, or a setback as like, Oh, great. Everything's screwed. I'm done. Right. No reframe that failure. Um, I think that can be super helpful. So I did get it. Uh, so that's it on that topic. If you have any questions on that, please let me know. Um, so I, I got a question about balancing training around holidays, like how to, how to enjoy still. Right. Uh, so just a couple things off the top of my head. Um, First would be just focus on less days of, of training. Um, that's probably easy, simple one there is, I mean, if you're training four, four, five, six days a week, go down to three or four. Um, 
you can still have effective workouts in those days. Um, and honestly, it might be good for you long-term to just kind of take a little break from going into the gym all the time. So maybe use this as a, a time to just do less workout days. Um, and as far as like, if you're trying to, you could, you could drop, you can maybe focus on maintaining uh, rather than like having a body composition goal of fat loss or muscle gain. Maybe you just maintain during this time, right? You just don't, don't focus too much on the calorie side or the, the nutrition side of things, you know, make sure you're hitting your basics, get your protein in throughout the day, but don't overly, but don't try to do any body composition goals during this time. And as far as training goes, you know, drop the days that you're going. I mean, that can be, I think people think that if they train less than what they do, they're, they're going to like just lose all this progress, right? It's like, well, I got, I've been training six days a week, so I have to keep that up forever. Otherwise, once I go to five, I'm going to start to lose gains. And that's not the case. So just dropping the days is, is, is an easy one um, right off the bat. Now, <clears throat> and, and, and then on the days that you do go, maybe you're just focused on just crushing your training. Don't worry about, again, these, these complicated body composition goals. Just focus on less days. And then the days you do train, you're just crushing it in there. Um, that can be helpful. Now I did want to kind of go over my tips on how to, uh, maximize muscle growth with limited time. So the first one's going to be, uh, use mostly compound exercises. Okay. So compound exercises aren't just things like, uh, you know, squats, right. But they, but there are exercises that use multiple muscle groups at one time. Again, squat is one of them, uh, rows, bench press, pull-ups, stiff leg deadlifts, regular deadlifts. Um, they're great because they work a good amount of your body for every rep you do. Uh, so again, things like squats, leg press, Romanian deadlifts, stiff leg deadlifts, pull-ups, bent rows, incline bench, flat bench, dips, skull crushers, uh, biceps, you know, you do your curls, uh, so you can, again, you can, you can use some isolation exercises, but you, you do want more of your exercises to be compound. Um, also like choose exercises and techniques that really work for you. Like don't try to do something that sucks for you. Right. So if like a back squat sucks, don't waste your time doing a back squat, like do leg press or lunges, right? Like do something that is going to, that works for you. Um, we do want to minimize, minimize warm-up times. Um, obviously, with compound exercises, this becomes an issue because it should it doesn't even make up the more majority of your exercises. But uh, but we do want to try to limit warm-up time at the same time. So uh, for somebody who is new to weight training, you don't have to do a ton of weight. Like squats and deadlifts are a great thing to do like quickly because you really don't have to warm up that much. But if you if you are super strong, like uh, doing a back squat or a deadlift probably isn't best for you because you're going to spend half your time freaking warming up. But um, But like, so for example, uh, I think it's important to find a technique that really hits your muscle, that hits that muscle, but doesn't require as much weight. So one thing I can think of is like, instead of doing conventional deadlifts, and this is for somebody who's more advanced, uh, instead of doing conventional deadlifts and say you have to do 315 plus pounds, right? Um, maybe you switch to stiff leg deadlifts in a technique that really only requires you to do 185 to 200 pounds. Um, you're going to save a ton of time warming up there, right? Um, you can also bias lighter rep ranges to help you get more, uh, to minimize warm up time. So if you maybe work more in the 10 to 20 rep range, so that way you don't have to spend as much time warming up. But again, if you're not, a, if you're not super strong, five to 10 is totally fine. And five to 10 is fine on some things. Some other things you can do are supersets. Um, use supersets that work opposing muscle groups. Uh, so that's going to save you time. Uh, you're not going to be resting as much. 
uh, also use lower RAR. So for somebody who has a lot of time to dedicate to training, you know, working from like lower intensities to higher intensities is, is good. But if you don't have a lot of time, um, train closer to failure each time you train that way you're just going to have to do like less sets overall so those are kind of things you can do in training to really uh minimize your time spent in the gym right um but that's going to be your best bet i think your best bet during this time during the holidays is to maybe get your mind off of trying to progress and just maintain uh, that's going to be better than taking complete time off and then you go backwards so kind of my tips there on that um obviously if you have any questions on this let me know and that's it for this week. Uh, I will talk to you guys next week. Have a good weekend. Thank you for listening. If you want more free content like this, follow me on Instagram at JeffH91 underscore or visit JHHealth.net. See you next time.